This podcast is recorded on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. Well may we say God save the Queen because nothing will save the Governor-General. You know I've searched my heart to prove better ways to push and pull hey whatever gets you through these days hello and welcome to well may we say a progressive podcast about australian politics this is episode 105 for wednesday 18th of september 2019 I'm Jeremy Sierra, and week I'll be joined by a different guest host to help me discuss what's just been happening to our country, what's likely to happen, and hopefully what we can do about it. Tonight's guest is returning guest host, Tim Whitehead. Uh, Tim, welcome back. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks for having me back. So you've, you've had a couple of uh, weeks and a couple of months now, actually, to, to recover from uh, diving into the horror of Australian politics, and you've, you've been able to sort of quarantine yourself from the horror, and you haven't had to pay too much attention to it, and, and you, you've, you've enjoyed a peaceful life, not, not seeing the sort of... You've been you've been watching on Twitter and commenting and stuff, haven't you? Yeah, you've seen my Twitter. Uh, mostly, what's happened is uh, before May, uh, I sometimes said nice things about the Labor Party, and since May, uh, I have said a lot of less nice things about the Labor Party, and now Labor people are all mad at me. I, I did see some, um, a Labor person this morning tweeting something to the effect of, um, "So because Labor have now joined with a." a um, the class action law firm to go after Robodet, like as if it wasn't a problem before the election, as if all these things haven't been obvious for quite a while. But anyway, they're, they're endorsing the proceedings now that literally all the public versions, like Legal Aid and all these other people, have done you know, already done the hard yards. But anyway, so they're now going to do that. And there was a Labor person tweeting, like, "Is this the best thing Labor's done since the election?" And I'm thinking, well, it's, it's a it's a fairly shallow field there. Yeah, is it the only thing Labor's done since the election, other than? Well, vote for LNP policies yeah, and, and endorse yeah. them and uh, rhetorically back them up. Yeah. Not, not so much doing something as um, just going along with the LNP has been the main thing. So, yes, I'm thrilled that they're jumping on board the whole robo-debt thing. This doesn't mean they get to claim to be you know, a great force for progressive good in the nation, but it's better than if they didn't do it. So I guess credit where it's due. We, we can damn with them with the faintest of faint praise. I did also see that uh, Bill Shorten was out there saying, oh, mate, you know, maybe we do need to reconsider the renewable energy target. And it's like, no. Does it, do you well, think... You do, but not in the way I suspect. Well, that's right. <laughs> well, he was, yes, that's right. He was also saying that I think that our, our climate policy lost his votes at the election. And I'm thinking, yeah, but from all directions and partly because it was so vague and wishy-washy, like, they could portray it as the worst, it, it, from the worst angle, to both sides, because it didn't stand for anything. Like, it was, when they were up north, they were like, no, the dining's fine, no, we don't have any problem with it. And when they were down south, they were like, no, no, we'll, we'll definitely stand up to it. Um, and then the people from both heard the other message, and it didn't work. Yes, hashtag lol classic labour, I guess. Yeah. Now, I hear that you are considering moving into the glorious uh, electorate of our former I believe the media at the moment, uh, quite unjustifiably and uh, without the acceptance of any of the rest of us, referring to him as the Minister for Love. And if you've seen this man, Kevin Andrews, um, or heard any of the things that he's had to say, more importantly, you will find that risable. But anyway. 
Yeah, it's hard to tell if the media is just being sarcastic at this point or if they thought that was a good thing that would sell papers, but either way, we beg them to stop saying that. Well, he's, he's published a bunch of books about how lovely his, his marriage is and how de facto relationships aren't really proper relationships. And uh, So he's, he's a great person for Scott Morrison to have just announced he'll be in charge of a joint parliamentary inquiry into the family law system, uh, seconded by... Um, who did they find? Like, Okay, so Kevin Andrews is not exactly... He's kind of one side. He's not exactly a family law expert, but he's certainly a religious person who very, very hostile to um, some people getting married. Um, he fought very, very vigorously against marriage for, for some people recently. But yes, I, I mean, presumably they want to balance him with... Wait, who have they got for the second? Oh, Pauline Hanson. Oh, good. Excellent. So the family law system is in safe hands. Kevin Andrews and Pauline Hanson will be looking into it. And uh, I'm sure that the recommendations they come up with will be ones that will definitely improve the system. I'm not sure that's right, but I'm going to go with it. Are you? No. I don't think you're right. Like, no, both it's of, a disaster. We all know it. Both of us have acted in that system as lawyers, and I feel that we may have noticed that there are problems in that system, and I um, think anybody who's dealing with it at the moment uh, or has recently and has observed the ludicrous waits to get on, waits for after getting on and being heard for judgments, like we're talking about cases involving parenting where the children are getting older all the time, and the, the wait for judgments is months and months and months and longer which seems to me to be completely counterproductive. And, and, and you've got all these overworked judges who have, because they're not being replaced at the rate. In fact, isn't, isn't the case that, uh, as I understand it, the actual number of, of appropriate judges goes, keeps going down because they don't replace them quickly enough, whilst the number of cases goes up. So obviously you have the upshot of very busy judges that are trying to do more and more cases in less and less time. And I'm not convinced that that's the um, best recipe for just outcomes for people in the family law system. No, full disclosure, I've been trying to avoid going anywhere near that court for several years and lately I've mostly been successful. So I couldn't tell you what it's like now, but even before all that, the wait times were bad. Uh, it was very difficult to get a decision. Um, every client I had was hugely frustrated with the entire process and ended up having very little confidence of ever getting a fair outcome. So if we're cutting back on resources and adding to the demands... I can only imagine what a nightmare it must be now. Right, and they've also done the classic uh, government um, cost-saving measure of making legal aid stingier and stingier, uh, which is, of course, a brilliant saving for the taxpayer because uh, you save a bit of money on, on what you're handing out to people in legal aid, and so they, then they go to the courts and they self-represent, uh, and they massively blow out the system and create huge increases in costs in every other area of the justice system. So... <laughs> you end up paying a lot more for shittier outcomes. It's a great system. Cut By all means, you know, keep cutting legal aid, just make it more and more expensive and more and more shitty for everyone. Brilliant. Other than I utterly agree with that, there's not much I can say to it. All right. But the, the other part of this that seems really weird to me is that I know that they've been having some proper inquiries into the family law system recently because uh, I was involved at parts where people were making submissions in relation to where are the flaws in the system and where does it need to be improved. And uh, I know that the legal bodies from all around the country have been involved in that. And so far all the government said is, hmm, you all seem to be complaining about a lack of resources and uh, crappy outcomes for people and that, that uh, we need to fund the system better, we need to employ more judges uh, we need to have more court time. We need to have legal aid properly funded. Um, tell me what, what we'll do is we'll combine the Federal Circuit Court and the Family Court together and streamline it a bit. Yeah, it's great how you know, previously they had the same sort of process and decided to create the Federal Circuit Court to streamline things. And when that has done nothing at all, uh, the new brilliant plan is to uncreate it. And we're back where we started with less money. 
Well, we, we can keep like splitting it and recombining it. For, for it'll just get. Can you imagine how efficient it's going to get? This upsets me mostly because that's the basic premise of most Dilbert cartoons, and to think the Dilbert guy was accidentally right about anything is just really hard for me to deal with. They do like proving bad people right about like isn't that fundamentally the whole uh, conservative approach to government is like their whole line is that government is shit and inefficient and can't do things properly so we will get him there and we will make sure that it's shit and inefficient and can't do things properly like yeah it, it could do those things but i certainly agree that when you're in charge of it it doesn't well it's nice to see you finding some common ground with them at last <laughs> with Scott Adams. Quiet you. No. All right. Let's go and talk about something that's uh, it's a more light, light-hearted and, and upbeat uh, topic. Uh, um, fundamentalist religion taking over the country. Yes. That's something that's been making me angry for a good 30 years. So let's deal with that now. Well, Tim, how about we start with, obviously, uh, New South Wales is now looking at finally passing this legislation to decriminalise abortion, which, like, I love I love the way it's... it's Whenever they've got panel shows, they're like, hey, we all agree that it should all be decriminalised. No, no, you don't all agree. Like, you're just doing everything in your power to thwart it. But anyway, and then there were these rebel uh, Liberal MPs that were, were threatening to have a spill to bring down, the, bring down the Premier, and that didn't work, and they ran away. Yeah, they didn't seem to quite understand how a spill works, did they? Step Surely one, just... call for the spill. Step two, not sure. Uh, step three, panic. <laughs> Numbers? Work, what are numbers? <laughs> what, what do numbers have to do with the spill? Nonetheless, like they're, they're convinced that they're winning, that their people power campaign is winning. And I've got some footage here that I'm going to show you of uh, old mate Martin Lloyd Illis, who is the new head of the Association of Cynical Liars, who call themselves the ACL. And this is him talking at an anti-abortion rally in Sydney's Hyde Park on the weekend. Buckle up, folks. <laughs> Why do I read that? Because greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friends, said Jesus. And yesterday on this spot, as you have already heard, a couple of hundred pro-choice protesters, they marched under the mantra, we will fight, we will win, put the fetus in the bin. What do we say today? Stop lying, you sack of shit. That's what we say. Nobody chanted, put the fetus in the bin. You are a... That is... Okay. So if you're that crowd, so what it is is they, there was a chart that they deliberately misheard to be that. And that, like, can you imagine how far off the deep end you would have to be to think that people advocating for women's right to have medical procedures like abortions and not be controlled by dickheads like Martin Miller's. But if you think that they're campaigning actually to put fetuses in the bin, like, how broken would your brain have to be that you would genuinely believe that somebody would stand up there and they would chant that. That would be literally the chant that they would come up with. Yeah, you see, the the bad news is I, I do understand how that happens because I grew up in a very conservative Baptist church where week after week um, there is this entire culture of being told uh, we are the good guys, everyone out there is against us and either deliberately or accidentally doing the bidding of Satan and his demons. So when you grow up with that mindset, it's actually not even surprising that people believe that would be chanted. Now, it's of course 
not something any anyone would ever have said, and they didn't. No, what they but actually said I was... I understand how it happens. They did, that's what they chanted. We will fight, we will win, put the bigots in the bin, is what they said. But Channel 7 captioned it fetus, and these people just believed it. And all the people involved would be like, of course we didn't say that. We're not idiots. Like, we will say put bigots in the bin, but we're not going to be like, why would we say... Yeah, like even if you thought that, that's just strategically the worst chant. I mean, no one would, you know, you'd have to be stupid as well as deeply, deeply evil to chant that. So obviously it didn't happen, but it turns up on the news. People are predisposed towards believing the worst. Well, and here we are. Oh, and particularly because they keep on having the, the lie repeatedly told. Now, when we get to, I'll play some other, when we start to go back to talking about the religious um, discrimination bill, and I'll play some other footage from Illis talking to his people this week, you'll see that they also lie about shit like babies being, le- babies being left to die on the operating table. Now, that is bullshit, and, they, and, and I, I can explain what, what they are misrepresenting to get to that. But they, they, have, like, they don't care. They're just like, here is a. Sh- if you, I suppose we'll, we'll play more of yours. But basically, he, he sees himself as like the Christians in the first century being persecuted by the Romans. May we commit to this that history will look back on this generation as it looked back on the Christians in the early Roman Empire. And at that point, he's just like, I'll say whatever I need to say. And so they, that's why they are lying. It's the classic Lyle Shelton thing of lying for Jesus. Like, I mean, no, Illus can't possibly believe that they genuinely chanted "Put the fetus in the bin." He's just like, cool, here's a bit of dishonest propaganda I can use for my political purposes. Well, see, that's the thing, though. You'd be amazed at what people actually can genuinely believe. Um, Do you think Illyssi's actually believes? So here is the actual audio where they say, put the bigots in the bin. Pro-choice protesters. But Channel 7 subtitled, put the fetus in the bin. They know full well that that's not true. Well, here's the thing, though. I, I don't think you're giving enough weight to confirmation bias here because, you know... If you want to hear that as fetus, you will hear it as fetus. Exactly. I mean, here's the thing for me. I, I'm a Christian, always have been, uh, and it would be great for me if I could just say, well, uh, Martin Ellis is, is not a Christian. He's a liar, and he lies deliberately. Um well, that, no, that would be easy, but I can't just know true Scotsman away anyone who kind of is inconvenient for my view of the world. Uh, instead, you know, unfortunately, I think we have to accept that although we violently disagree with Martin Ellis and Lyle Shelton and... Vigorously more than violently. <laughs> I'm going to go with violently in a, in a loving, peaceful way. Um, <laughs> you are a true Christian. <laughs> But uh, I can't just take the easy way and say, okay, well, they're they're not Christians, so we can just ignore them. They are, in fact, utterly genuine in in what they're doing. And that's worse, because if it was cynicism, we could just say, okay, we can dismiss the cynics. Um, We can, you know, hope that people will see through the blatant cynicism. But they're actually zealots, and that makes them far more difficult and far more dangerous to deal with. Uh, I, I don't think you could possibly be making enough money working for the ACL to make it worth oh, no, your I, teeth constantly. I don't, it's I, not a good grift. So oh, no, no, it is a good grift. Oh, sorry, they, they, make, they make plenty of cash out of this grift, but I don't think that's the main motivation for people like um, Ellis and Shelton. I think them, their main motivation is power. They love the idea of being powerful and influential and being heard and being important. 
it's all that, I think that's the main ego biscuit for them. But I'm sure they also do well financially out of it. Like the the ACL is constantly asking for money. Like the reason I grab these videos is because I'm on the ACL mailing list and I know what stuff they send out. Well, stop doing that. No, I just it's, it keep. Okay, just need exercise some self care. Just get yourself off the mailing list. Life is too short. No, no, we need to know what they're doing. I'm also on the bloody binary mailing list. My God, those people are deranged bullshit artists like, like they're, they're currently firing so uh, binary is the yeah i know who binary is it's yeah it's this new um i think it's what the coalition for marriage people turn themselves into so it's now 100 percent attacking trans people but with, with a tinge of we told you this is what gay marriage would lead to it's, it's stuff like here is a book that uh in that that supports and endorses children being uh, sexually assaulted and what it is is that it's a story it's a book that's got various experiences of trans people and trans teens and there's a one person in it which is the bit that they've, they've seized on where a trans person says that they were sexually active when they were teenagers and they've seized on that to being like the book is endorsing it it's not it's but it's talking about like it's giving people an opportunity to discuss their experiences that's not saying that that's fine like, anyway, so they're like, get this filth off the shelves. They're just lies. Like everything they they do and they say, all of their campaign. But being alert to it, and also stuff like being alert to how they're planning on uh, and the um, religious discrimination stuff that that they only send to their own supporters stuff, which I'll, I'll play later. Like it's, I think it's useful for us to know that what they're doing because that's the point where they talk about the private conversations they're having with the people in power which we don't hear about because they're talking to the people in power. They don't want us to hear about it. Not like the government says, when we were talking about our religious discrimination bill, we didn't talk with any of the people from the LGBTI organisations, just the fundamentalists like the ACL. And when they're ta- exposing, well, they're revealing to them to their own, what they think are their own supporters, um, I think it's useful knowing what they're up to. I, I don't enjoy it. <laughs> you are ironically doing God's work. Mm. To, to your earlier point, which is that it's about power, of course power drives people, but with, with people like this, um, or certainly the, the many similar people I know within the church, um, that might be the underlying motivation, but they will still genuinely believe that they're actually doing this for God. Um Oh, I'm sure. They, they, there is no doubt in their mind that their cause is righteous, and that's our problem, is we're arguing with complete zealots who are very, very difficult to persuade on these things. I do think that, they, that, that Martin is lying about this stuff. Though. Like, as in, he knows he's lying. He knows that he, he's not an idiot. He knows that they weren't chanting, put the fetus in the bin. He knows they weren't saying that. He's aware, and he's, if, he, if there was any doubt in his mind, he's aware that they, like, because they came out and, like, they made it really clear in response to what they were saying. And it's the only thing that makes sense. Like, you'd have to be more stupid than he is, and he's not stupid. No, he's not stupid, but he has a framework for all his thinking that I'm sure is similar to the one I was taught, where uh, because you believe so strongly that these people, these pro-choice types are fundamentally evil. Um, <laughs> Satan it, is sitting on their shoulders, whispering well, in their ears. That is what they think. It, it actually is. So They were marching down the street, cackling whilst murdering a baby. So, of course, they would tr- come out and try and cover up their evil by you know, substituting the word bigot when clearly, as we read on the screen, <laughs> they said fetus. <laughs> that, that is how he thinks. I, so I don't know that he knows he's wrong. Uh, I I think it's tragic 
that you can be so so thoroughly indoctrinated into a particular way of thinking that all reason goes out the window. But I think, I think have, that's their problem. We'll have to agree to disagree on that. I, I, whilst I think that um, that probably justifies a lot of his stuff, I think this. I think there are particular lie points where his brain just goes, nah, this is powerful for us. This is powerful for our political side. I don't care that it's not true. All right, so we'll go back to Martin. But I, actually, I want to play, remind you the earlier bit that he was talking about, which is he, he's, he launched in with a, a long Bible reading uh, and he concluded with referring it to the... Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friends, said Jesus. Now, none of these people are... Unless he's talking about like deliberately inciting like, people to go and commit crimes where they would lose their life, like, you know, the attacks on abortion clinics, that sort of thing. Unless he's, I don't understand who he's saying is laying down their life there. Um, or or maybe, maybe he'll explain it to us. Hang on, we'll go, back, we'll go back to Martin. And yesterday on this spot, as you have already heard, a couple of hundred pro-choice protesters, they marched under the mantra, we will fight, we will win, put the fetus in the bin. What do we say today? I love the put the fetus in the bin. What do we say? Boo! Look, punch, punch, Judy, punch is behind you. Boo! It's like pantomime. Boo! Yay! Boo! Sorry. On we go. Boo! And we say a better hope, a brighter hope, a better way. We proclaim true love. We say no, love them both. Okay, we're not anti-women. We just we, we we think that you can love a woman by forcing her to carry a pregnancy that she doesn't want to carry. That, that's it's the real love because you know she doesn't know what she really wants. Yeah, gotta say I didn't follow his argument at all there. That's their spin. Their spin is that abortion harms women. Therefore, by by forcing women to have carry pregnancies that they aren't able to do or don't want to do or don't aren't safe, and and like they're constantly talking about late-term abortions as if that's something that people just do on a whim and it's not on the basis of the health of the mother or the child or both. Like, their late-term abortions are only for that reason. Like, nobody does that for a week. Yes, Nobody's we, like, oh, well, after eight we, months... We know that, yes. <laughs> eight months in, I'm just like, I'm just not feeling it. Just, just, yeah, nah, just, let's just have this, this painful procedure and I've just gone through... It, no, that doesn't happen. Anyway, love them both is di- classic disingenuous bullshit. Our politicians are making appeals to choice, to autonomy... And the complexity of the issue. Yeah, fair. They seem like reasonable appeals to make. And a bit out of character for politicians to appeal to the complexity of an issue, but bless them. And they're doing that because it's all they have. Science (laughs) is not on their side. They're appealing to the complexity of the issue and they're appealing to choice and they're appealing to autonomy because that's all they have. Well, those, those, those are three of the strong arguments. They're not all, all, they're not all that we have, but I would say those are a pretty good start. Anyway, no, what, 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 sorry, was, is he starting to say science is not on our side? Okay, so I'm not actually going to play his, his bullshit where he's, but he's basically like, they can feel pain. They can be pulled out of a womb early. And they, you know, the, their whole justification that, that since science is better at, picking, at detecting characteristics of fetuses now, then they make certain claims about a fetus. Therefore, the woman's rights don't count anymore. They're, that fetus is a person, apparently, because we can see it better than we could previously. Therefore, it's a person. Although they, they've been on this fetus as a person thing for long before they they had any of this, yeah, so science science is helpful when it says when they can pull out bullshit like the, the bit about the fetus can feel pain is 
what are you doing? Like, what's that based on? Are you torturing some fetuses or something? Where? where I feel like, I, I feel like they're not. That's that's a highly dubious claim. Yeah, I'm no scientist, but obviously, this is some cherry picking going on. Where if if the science could be on their side in some way, we love it. The rest of the science, yeah, not so good. Yeah, it's not a basis of like sitting down and assessing it and seeing where the science takes us. It is very much a. Um, pick out the bits that seem to support our case and i am not prepared to give martin illis the benefit of the doubt on any of his claims so when he says something that's like hmm is that true unless he actually demonstrates it somewhere which he never does he's, he has in no way of the benefit of that so we've just had the put the fetus in the bin lie we'll talk later on about his um you know babies being left on operating tables to die lie um later like any time that you um, that they cite a number, even when they seem to be citing something, if you then go and try and look into it and be like, really? That's just going, what are those numbers based on? It never stacks up. It is always bullshit. And it's like when I was younger and uh, didn't, uh, the Greens, I was just sort of the Greens, sort of an environmental party. I was a bit reluctant to be, to support them. Um, and you would constantly be seeing in the Murdoch press in particular, there'd be some story that would really shed negative light on them and you'd be like, oh, shit. Oh. That's a bit bad. But then you would talk with them and you would find out what the real story was and you'd be like, oh, right, nah, okay. And then as you gradually supported them more, like you you learned to look at it and to see one of those stories and you'd be like, yeah, no, even though I don't know what the actual, like what you're, the way you're reporting it there, that sounds terrible, I'd be really concerned. But I'm now cynical enough about everything you say about them that I just, I know there's another side to this that you're twisting. And if I, every time I go and make the effort to check, I find out what it is and be like, yeah, okay, I see what see what you're what you're twisting there, and it's the same with with Willis. Like, he's cried wolf so many times that like the onus on him to be credible should be higher at this point. Like for us to believe anything that he says. Yeah, well, obviously we're not going to. Um, it's just one of those things where, for whatever reason, I know we disagree on the whys, but um, yeah, he is going to look for everything that supports what he wants. And there's unfortunately plenty of things on the internet where you, if you look for something, you'll find it. It won't be based on anything. But or it will be based on be something there. and twisted in a, in a ludicrous way. There's, there's plenty of pro-life groups in the USA who are pumping this stuff out, and I'm sure you can Google it. Uh, I'm not going to, but I'm sure you could. And I think, I think part of, I guess they probably justify it in the sense that whatever wins the war, because the old, like the ends justify the means on the basis that the truth of it is that um, it's a person from the moment that uh, it's conceived and when God puts spirit into it, and therefore it's a person. And um, I've tropicked these bits of the Bible that say God considers it murder. Therefore, there is not anything in the Bible that says God considers it's murder, just to clear that up. Oh, they'll be twisted like God says, I knew you in the womb or something. And they'll, they'll yeah. be like, see, therefore, God said he knew one specific person in that situation making that person special and distinct from everyone else. This this is not something that the church has believed for centuries or anything. This uh, whole pro-life thing is, is a relatively recent phenomenon. Um, but I think their yeah, mindset d- is... Definitely nothing about its murder, but yeah, I understand you. Their mindset is, even if I have to lie because I've got to win politically with the godless who don't accept my religious argument, therefore I have to find propaganda that will appeal to them and it doesn't matter whether it's true because they're not really... It's just that, I mean, they shouldn't even have this power over the rest of us. This should be a theocracy, damn it. It's the, the fact that I have to appeal to non-religious people, that they have any power at all, it's an abomination. But anyway, like if I have to lie to these mindless sheep who are going to hell just to, to save some, some 
babies for God, then I will lie my damn teeth off. Yeah, I don't think they're lying their damn teeth off as often as you think. I think they're deluded. But still, it, there would be occasions, yes, when they say, you know, if, if abortion is murder, we're against murder. Murder's worse than lying. So I guess we make the hard moral choice to just lie. <laughs> <laughs> and But you can get away with it too by, by just going down a path and just shying away from the bit that would prove to you it's a lie. Like, just avoid it. I don't want to look at it. I'm not going to look at it. I can keep saying this thing as long as I avoid being specifically exposed to the evidence that it's a lie. So I think I think that they make sure that they never specifically see that it's a lie. They just have, intellectually, they're aware that it might be. And then they just try and avoid being confronted with the incontrovertible evidence that it is. Yeah, well, of course, they would think that that incontrovertible evidence is just part of the... Um the scheme to to mislead and deceive them so of course you would disregard it <laughs> all right let's uh, let's move on from this from the right to life thing because i suppose we should um and although i mean god if you're in new south wales you need to be fighting pretty hard because the religious right are pulling out all the stops they are doing everything in their power to try and squash this like new south wales is behind the rest of the nation in in having um in decriminalizing abortion and like all of the things that they are proposing that, that they can make sound superficially appealing so essentially they're like four four amendments they're looking at one is um terminations after 20 weeks only to save the mother's life or another fetus which seems reasonable until you realize wait a minute but um basically the main reason why abortions take place after 20 weeks is for fatal fetal abnormalities um which this would prevent happening because uh, it's not allowing you to do it in relation to the fetus being terminated the ban on sex selection like how would you enforce that? Like, it's basically telling doctors they have to be mind readers. Like, anybody who wants a sex selection abortion isn't, as soon as this, if this was in there, is not going to say, I want a sex selection abortion. Like, it's completely redundant, but it just means that there's this extra barrier of doctors having to, what, interrogate patients or something. Just make it more traumatic for no, no reason other than to punish women who are having abortions. And uh, a duty of care to a baby born alive. This is this is to do with their their bullshit lie that that um, babies are being born and left to die on the operating table. Like it's a complete ludicrous fiction. And basically, the, the criticism. Made, so um, Sinead Canning made some points about these. So that's um, at Sinead underscore Canning on Twitter. Her point is like these are these are parents with much wanted pregnancies diagnosed with a fatal fetal abnormality they're terminating they get maybe you know two minutes or two hours with the child before it passes away and then the these assholes want to have that entire time have a bunch of doctors trying to save its life when it's completely futile yeah and that, that's the fundamental problem when you get so into a worldview like this and you become a zealot believing that any form of abortion is murder even once you accept that you can't stop all of it uh you will try and stop it wherever you can using any argument you can uh and the tragic result is, as you say, families just suffer well, for um, no good reason. Huge part of it. Like, um, you know, Ilse, when he was talking to the um, crowd there in, in Hyde Park, was talking about how the, those great people who've donated money to and worked for pregnancy support services, which are 100% about bullying women into out of abortions. Like, all of... It seems like the religious uh, rights approach to this is our strongest weapon against abortions is guilting mothers, is making women feel worse and worse about it constantly telling them that that if they do have abortion they'll feel bad about it if they uh go ahead with it they're evil that's we've shouted them outside clinics which by the way is another thing here's a segue to the religious discrimination bill which we'll talk about now but i've got one more of the four things that they're talking about but then we'll get on to the religious discrimination bill in fact actually no they're linked the fourth one is also linked 
that one of the things that it'll do if it goes through in its current form is undo that High Court decision uh, where the state government was able to make an exclusion zone around abortion providers to stop women being harassed by these zealots. And they took it to the High Court and they, they on, on the grounds of their um, political speech, I think it was, and they lost. So, but the religious discrimination bill will make it uh, give them the, the, the right to do that. So we'll get let's let's get to that because that's also linked in um, with the fourth uh, demand that they that the New South Wales religious right have, which is they want the um, conscientious objection. They fundamentally want the right of doctors to be able to say, "Nah, not going to help you in relation to abortion," or in fact, and sorry, not going to refer you, or in fact, be even more deceptive about it by linking them off to a misleading pregnancy support service or like this isn't just about doctors being able to say i'm not doing it this is about if they get their way they'll be able to direct patients into facilities that are harmful like they will be able to do harm to their patients um on the grounds of their religious beliefs yep that is what will happen so no one wants that do you want to talk i think you had some stuff that um before we go back to illus because i i do have the video that he was sending his his supporters and and you know the occasional lefty who's paying attention because he's got a you know, bit bit of a masochist um but yeah i think you had um something from uh, one of the archbishops uh, about this bill that was firing up your fires yes i'm bad at metaphors apparently <laughs> you're doing fine yeah look, obviously the whole religious freedom thing has has been a massive bugbear of mine for a long time and it's only got worse with uh, the israel falau situation um, and the disgraceful way that a whole bunch of people jumped on board that and made him their poster child, uh, even though he didn't want that. Um, what? No, he does. Like he's constantly he's on the whole um, uh, and then not ashamed conference, which I, I, I love. That. Like I love that the ACL's campaign. I think I think their slogan is like "Truth matters." So like somebody's campaigning on the basis of how honest they are or how truthful they are, they're liars. Um, good giveaway. And in the case of um, but in the case of not ashamed. Being their slogan for their conferences, which which like they've got our special guest Israel Folau, and they've got like Martin Mills with Folau down by the beach, and they're like, we have a very special announcement to make. We've got a special guest, and I thought, well, since I'm here with him, who better to tell you than the man himself? Hey guys, uh, it's Israel Folau here. I'm looking forward to being at the Not Ashamed conference. There you go. Izzy Folau is coming to Not Ashamed. Yeah, Not Ashamed. I. Shameless. Yeah, not quite the same thing. But I, I think the, the thing we need to acknowledge with Israel Folau is that um, you know, he hasn't said anything that uh, white people um, haven't been saying for a long time. Uh, but suddenly, you know, all the religious right adopt him as their, their poster child and those of us on the left um, want to utterly destroy him for, for daring to have an opinion. Um, no, we don't. It's because, it, because he put out a thing saying that um, gay people are the equivalent to um, thieves and... and um, yeah, he, he did, and we're against him on that. But he didn't that's do the anything thing. that the ACL hasn't done that the Liberal Party hasn't done. Well, for um, sure we're angry with them too. I don't think yeah, we're more angry with we are, that. And I, I, just, I just want to be clear that you know he, he's become a bit of a lightning rod and I think there is a racial element to it in that this sort of... It's, briefly, everyone could agree that this person with darker skin shouldn't be talking out of turn um no i don't sorry you're making a point i don't want to divert, divert from but i don't think that i i do think that um Flau's, um ethnicity is relevant in the sense that um he's a hero within a particular community separate to the, like rugby league in general but like he's particularly like a role model within his 
ethnic community and therefore his words demonizing LGBTI people do particular harm to kids in that community who are who you know hero worship him but also their families who hero worship him families of LGBTI kids I do think his membership of a particular close-knit ethnic group or in the sense that he's a hero within that group in particular like he's hero more widely as well but like there's a particular impact when you're from a group that might otherwise be marginalized I think that that it is relevant that he can do more harm when he puts out messages like that than if he was just another white guy. But that said, I think that that the rage at what he was putting out there would have been consistent regardless of what his ethnicity was. I don't think I don't I don't actually think that the impact on on his ethnic community is actually a focus for the, for the the left in particular. And I don't think that I don't think that's the basis of the outrage about his race. I, maybe it's part of the myth, the thinking of the ACL that it's nice for them to occasionally have somebody up there who's not a white a white man, like to, to pretend that they are more ethnically diverse than they are. See, I think it's just important as white people to acknowledge that you know Tony Abbott has said equally homophobic things, didn't lose his job. Well, we uh, tried. We tried really hard to make him lose his job. Yeah, but we there was a lot of celebration about Israel Folau losing his job. And to me, there's a bit of a colonialist mindset going on there. And I think that's important to acknowledge. But uh, So I don't want to use him as my one example of this because I just want to acknowledge this this bigotry is, is across the board. In any case, in terms of the religious freedom thing more broadly and getting away from uh, Israel Folau particularly, I have just watched this with growing horror for years now because again it goes back to the church having this persecution complex that is you know drummed in from an early age uh, it's us against the world but the consequence of this is that uh, anyone who expresses a view however disgraceful and says i did it for religion now seems to be supported you know no one has lost their job for say going on Instagram and posting a nice picture of the lyrics to a hymn. No. Um, no, it's 100% it's, about... It's, it's only ever when it's racist or homophobic or transphobic or whatever it may be. So we're not talking about freedom to be religious. We're talking about the ability to use one's religion as a cover for saying horrible things about marginalised people. Yeah, they want, they want to be protected when they use it as a sword. And it's one, and you're, from the illest stuff, you're 100 percent here that he's talking about this because he's like, oh, fine, you know, let's just, you know, do things within within our, you know, within our, in privacy. They allowed us to be, 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 you know, passively religious and 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 so forth. But it doesn't allow us to go out there and do what religion really is, which is you know, harassing LGBTI people. So here, here's where I need your help. Um, this is um, Glenn Davies, the Anglican Archbishop of Sydney, as as quoted in the Guardian a few weeks ago. And he's quoted as saying this, We don't want people who hold religious faith to be seen as an exception in discrimination. We must have the freedom to express our faith in a positive way and not be, as it were, marginalised into an exemption as if we are discriminating and people are saying, we'll let them do that. We're not discriminating. We're just expressing our views and our opinions in a full democratic free society. So by positive, they mean stabbing outwards with it like like the metaphor of being the sword like they don't mean they're not it's not a shield they want to be able to be within their own little space it's like what's the, what's the thing like you're you're you know, your your right to do whatever you like and you know to wave your arm in a punching sort of motion is fine up until the point where it like interacts with another person at which point it's a problem that's what they want to be able to do they, they don't, don't want to stay within their own personal bubble they want a positive right to push out of it into our bubbles 
Yes. My, my question is, why can't their positive expression of their faith involve, you know, giving food to hungry people or something? Why it, does it always have to be this? It does seem to me that they could pick ways of projecting their faith outwards that are constructive and that I feel like the left would agree with. I feel like, you know, if you're genuinely out there improving conditions for the poor, or if you're genuinely out there fighting for action, you know, to protect the natural environment or the climate that we would like to be able to live in, like, there are plenty of things that they could do that if they're fighting to protect people from, you know, oppression, from the sort of oppressive police state stuff, you know, but anyway, they, they don't. They, you're right. I think there's a political aim to that, which is that they can do... Well, a lot of the left isn't religious, so they're not automatically getting out. Like, they'd have to work with people who are instinctively wary of this whole idea, which they don't really like. And because I... Do you know what, Tim? I, I, I don't know. Does this... Okay, so you have a person who's been religious all, all your life. Do yes. you feel that some of the feeling like you're constantly persecuted from, from white privileged Christians in, in a country like Australia is because you are surrounded by people... Um, when you're not within your group, when you're not at church, yep. in the rest of the world, you're surrounded by people who don't believe. And when they don't believe, like they instinctively think it's a bit of a weird thing. Like it's a bit weird to believe that there is, um, I'm going to use some language which is potentially offensive to religious people because it's not respectful of their beliefs. But from the perspective of, I think that, that religious people hear this thing and, and have this in, and are instinctively aware that this is how other people feel about religion that like they're believing in a magic sky fairy and that that believing that that believing stuff that is instinct that that you you can't prove you've got to just take on faith i feel like because i've i've done this i've tried to be when i was when i was a teenager i tried to be religious and it was the not not necessarily the specific condemnation or or or, you know mockery of people around but it was the sense that they just thought it was weird and stupid and that I was an idiot for believing it. And eventually I gave up on it on the basis that it just, I genuinely did feel that I was fooling myself. I just really wanted there to be life after death, but that doesn't mean that it's true. And so I eventually was like, yeah, no, nah, I can't. I can't, I can't get past the idea that if there's a God, first of all, God's like, your entire existence, your future, your eternal existence depends on guessing right. You can't use reason to get this, and and huge proportions of the earth are wrong, like are guessing wrong. The, uh, the, the, you know, if the Christians are right, the Muslims are wrong, the Hindus are wrong, the Buddhists are wrong, the Jews are wrong, everyone else is wrong, and they're all going to hell. But um, if you're, if but if we're right, but then, but then they also believe the same thing in reverse. Like I just, I couldn't get past the idea that all these people very vigorously and firmly believe in one in, in this thing, but they can't all be right, and it seems weird that God would be like. I'm giving you the power to reason, but on this particular fundamental issue of existence, guess and guess right. I felt that was pretty hard to get past, and all, um, and and the idea that basically every every religion you you already are cynical of every other religion that's out there. You already don't believe, like you've already gone. You know, I know they believe that, but I don't believe that, and I think they're wrong because of these things. But you just don't apply it to the one that you believe in. Like I, anyway, that's okay. where. I, so few few things to unpack there. Um, Sorry, I wasn't planning on being like, Tim, why do you believe in religion? But I'm like, do you feel that like people that, that I, a lot of the persecution complex comes from just innately feeling that the people around just don't respect it? And in fact, oh, so much of the demand for respect of religion is like this kind of pushback at the sense of they think I'm weird and I'm not. This is real. Yeah. Okay. So firstly, the Sky Fairy thing kind of fascinates me because it, 
I've really only seen that in the last five to ten years that you know the, the term sky fairies become very popular. Whereas, the, damn you, atheists, getting the, more confident. The, the 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 persecution complex thing that that, that predates that sort of terminology. Um, I think partly it's that you know as I was coming up through the church in the late seventies, early eighties, um, church going was much more common. Uh, but even back then, there was still a fair few people who were saying, no, not for me, it's all dying, not interested anymore. Mm. Um, Australia was becoming more multicultural. Um, you, know, you were getting more people uh, here who would believe in religions that were not Christian. Uh, and there was kind of a sense that, well, if, if we're Christendom within Australia, yeah, it's gradually all starting to slip away. Uh, and that's only sort of amplified over the years, as as you say, it's it's much more common for atheists just now to come out and say, well, yes, of course I'm an atheist. Uh, why wouldn't I be? Um, whereas, you know, when when Christianity was kind of the dominant sort of quasi-state religion, sometimes people would say, oh, well, I, I just better not admit to that. Mm. Whereas now you can be an atheist and be prime minister, and that's absolutely fine. Obviously, Did you know, Tim, people are even questioning opening Parliament each day with the Lord's Prayer. Yeah, and so they should. So, Question um, what, what's what's interesting is we've we've had this persecution thing going on for a long time. I th- I think it does get worse. Uh, I don't feel persecuted um, because the closest I come to persecution is that there's a particular atheist on Twitter who I do not follow and who does not follow me. But if I start a treat a tweet with "I'm a Christian." Uh, will pop up in my mentions and say something about sky fairies just without fail it's like casting a spell is it a person or a bot i'm pretty sure this is an actual person who who generally has political views i utterly agree with and i probably would follow on twitter but i kind of got sick of it eventually and said you know you understand that if you just keep saying sky fairy it doesn't actually changed my mind it, mm. it's it's kind of sweet because christians went through this whole evangelical thing where we wanted to convert everyone else and some of us have come out the other side and gone well we, we don't need to do that um but atheists, I get the, I get the atheists are kind of take up the mantle and go okay now let, let's convert all the christians and do you well, remember that... christian television association advertisements yeah and, and how no one was convinced by those no yeah yeah well the, sky fairy is the same thing I wonder if I wonder if a big part of the culture war between atheists and, and religious people is that it's not so much that they want the other side. I'm sure there's part of Christians who are like genuinely believe that the only way to get to not be tortured for all eternity is to to turn to Jesus, and therefore it's my duty because I love my fellow man to try and save them from this eternal torment. Like yeah. I get there are people who genuinely believe that, and it makes sense. Like if you genuinely believe that, it does make sense to try and save the people from eternal torment. Like I, I guess that does make perfect sense. Like yeah. it, it's the compassionate thing to do. It also requires a certain level of, of arrogance and, and self belief and and, and uh, ignoring the opinions and of other people who like the, the idea that maybe I'm wrong and they've got it. anyway. But you can't. Okay. But it, I feel like a lot of the attacks on and the reason why um, the left and atheist left are more critical of Christians than other religions is that it is simply a pushback against power. And it's simply that the fundamentalists from the Christian side, like the ACL, do have power over us and are seeking more power over us, which is what they would get with this bill. And so a lot of the pushback, it's defensive. It's like you are coming for us and you want to project your power onto us uh, and and we don't and we have to push back at, the, at your claims in order to defend ourselves. And then I suppose from the other side, it's like, 
well, sure, um, we're not really persecuted now, but if we don't draw the line here a long way from actual persecution, and if we don't say this is the line, you know, no further, if we do it far enough away from our gates, like our gates are quite safe. So it's yeah. like both sides are, uh, you know, it's a defensive attack. There's some defensiveness to it, but uh, actually what I found interesting when, when I tweet about something to do with religion, um, sometimes it's just someone says Sky Fairy a lot and you go, well, that's not persecution, it's it's at worst mildly irritating, I'll, I'll move on with my day. But, you know, earlier in the year I did a thread about, you know, not going to church anymore and a lot of people jumped into comment, Christians, atheists, everyone, but most of the atheists who sort of commented or got into the mentions to say, you know, have you considered maybe not just quitting church but going full-blown atheist, I would say, well, no, I, I don't want to do that. Um, their, their big concern wasn't so much power or a defensive thing. It was actually, much as Christians are trying to save atheists from hell after death, atheists are trying to save me from wasting my life pursuing this Completely Something fictional. Fictional. Yeah, and, well, yeah, which makes sense. To them, I am, I'm basing my all my life decisions on a, a weird fictional thing that you know I believe for reasons that baffle them. And I which makes sense. I get. I understand that people are baffled by me. I, I get that. It's also <laughs> because because if you confront it, you know the noisy Christians, the ACL types, um, and so you get the idea that it it becomes very hard to have somebody who is a sensible intelligent person who knows sensible intelligent on on the things you're talking about generally and then they're just like but i also have this in common with with you know the acl looks and you're like it's hard to like pe- people are like i must be misunderstanding there must be there must be a misunderstanding Let, let's talk through this and try and figure out where, where, yes. where we've gone wrong or if, if we just explain to this guy who's obviously grown up religious and and hasn't really thought it through at all and somehow muddled his way through to the age of 46 just going yeah this, this completely bananas thing is probably true if we could just get him alone for five minutes and talk sense to him, uh, I'd say people do change. Like, yeah. I I went from being religious to not being religious, yes. so it, it can be done. And I yeah. I went from being right wing to being left wing. Like, yeah. it's just it's sometimes it's a process of trying all the different arguments, and eventually one will be like, be the you know the the, the crack the dam, and be like, oh yeah. Actually. Okay, so my my one plea to atheists is the sky fairy thing isn't working for you. Please please tweet something else at me. What's the sky, what, so the sky fairy thing is just simply saying you believe in a magic man in the sky, like a magic yes. conscious entity that, that that has a personality and interacts with people, and that that's silly. Is yes. I suppose what the sky fairy attack criticism yes. is. Yes, and it's using the term sky fairy just to make it kind of sound as stupid as possible. Yeah. Um, and look, I, again, I get it. It is I'm, the way, it is way that the churches keep picturing him. Yeah, we 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 did all those stupid ads that you had to sit through in the eighties. You know, you had to listen to Amy Grant singing angels just over and over again. We're sorry. I think I blocked that out. But yeah, we, we should really get the audio then drop that into the podcast. But don't do it. Stop it, Angels. It's creepy. I actually have no memory of that at all. I yes. haven't. It, it, it happened and that was one of the good ones. So, yeah, we all, we all make mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, on the subject of the religious discrimination bill, let me let me play you some of what Ellis was saying to his people via. The, so the, he'll he'll send out an email and there'll be a, a video. Which none of the ACL videos allow comments for some reason on YouTube. None. No. Com- YouTube comments are not allowed. Sad. All I can do is like a little down down vote with a down a, a down thumb. That's all I can do. It's depressing. Anyway, um, I, if, if there were enough down votes, like. It could impact them in some. 
No, you, you just missed the days of the Roman Colosseum where that downvote of your thumb would have really meant something. <laughs> Especially for the Christians. Do I want Martin Miller's torn apart by lies? No, I don't. I just, I just wish to not hear from him anymore. Um, all right. So here he is. This is, so this is um, a week or so ago. This is him responding to um, the draft bill that the government's put out, like that they talked with the ACL about, but they're finally put out for us to hear. And if you listen to Martin Ellis, you will think that it's great for us, for the non-ACL side. And all, all he's, uh, from my point of view, I think all he's highlighting is that it's badly worded and that there's potential for it to be not as strong for his side as he would like it to be. I think it's terrifying as it is, and I think that, that there's no justification for it. And the only examples they ever give, keep your ears open for this when he's talking about it, you'll notice whenever you're looking for what are the examples of religious persecution that you need to be protected from, it is Israel for demonizing gay people. It is Archbishop Porteous in Tasmania. Demonizing gay people. They never have any examples of somebody who's actually being persecuted. It's not like, you know, the gay teacher who gets sacked from the school because they currently have that power. No, there's no equivalent versions for Christians being persecuted. It is 100% about Christians trying to persecute other people and there being some pushback. Okay, play the clip if you must. The government has released, by way of Christian Porter, the Attorney General, uh, the first draft of the long-awaited religious discrimination Bill. Now, ACL's been there at every step of the process on this, trying to put input into uh, the result and trying to get some good protections into that bill to make it a really worthwhile thing. Uh, we've been speaking with the drafters of the bill, with the Attorney General's office, and so on and so on. Finally, it's here. Just coming in there where he's pointing out that he's been talking with the Attorney General's office, you'll notice that he has been where the LGBTI organisations have not been because they have not been allowed to be. They've been excluded from participation in this process. But, you know, just uh, just be clear, here is Martin Belling the cat that it's been them who's been talking to the, uh, the Attorney General. The bill has some pretty incredible headline offerings. When you simply go through a shopping list of what the bill purports to give us, you think, wow, that's really, really good. But you know what, and no pun intended, given this is a religious discrimination bill, but the devil is in the detail. And uh, we say that and we mean it, because when you look at the headline offering, which looks so great, and then you look at the detail of what the section actually says, you go, oh, it's like the bill gives. And then through the details and the exceptions that are provided, it takes away so many times. So I noticed that he's talking about uh, it's an offering to the religious right, uh, and it's about what it's going to give them. Uh, it's all it's, it's a it's a giving to them, which um, is in the context of having had marriage equality come in, and so the religious right I reckon that they should get something back as if it's as if they were being denied rights for all of these years, and they finally that the discrimination was finally going to end, and now uh, they deserve. <laughs> some kind of special new powers to make up for LGBTI people getting some measure of equality. Like, like, it's, all, it's all framed about, it's an offering to the religious right, and uh, it's about what it can give them. And uh, what, are, what are the headline offerings, Martin? These great headline offerings, which are going to look fantastic. Religious bodies, which doesn't just include churches, but the bill specifically says it includes faith-based charities and it includes faith-based educational institutions. Great. But religious bodies can act in accordance with their beliefs. They're free to do that. To do so is not discrimination. So you can think, for example, a faith-based school teaching the Bible or having policies that, that uphold their beliefs about gender, so bathrooms and things like that. Just being clear that when he says uphold the Bible, he means demonize gay people. And when he says uphold their belief on gender, he means demonize trans people. Just, just be clear that, that those are the codes for demonizing those groups. Yeah, I think everyone knows that. Yeah, but I, I love how, you know, it's, it's in, if you don't, well, maybe not everybody does because like they get just, 
he makes it sound like it's just about their religious freedom, whereas in practice what that looks like is saying to a class full of vulnerable school children that gay people are wrong and bad and that trans people are wrong and bad, even though there will be gay and trans kids in those communities, in that classroom being demonised. There will be bullies who hate them, who will be being um, buttressed by this uh, rhetoric. There will be um, gay and trans people in their families who will be... Uh, they will It will create animosity and, and conflict between. So, like, this shit causes harm. But they're presenting it like, we can teach the Bible and our beliefs. It sounds so neutral the way they phrase it. Not really, but carry on. Or uh, perhaps an educational institution or another entity uh, that uh, wants to hire people who share their faith. Uh, good, it all looks great. Uh, excellent. Again, wants to hire people who share their faith. That means we won't have the power to sack the gardener for being gay. Yes, although to be fair, we also want to sack him if he's, say, yeah, a Catholic or something. Yes, well, that's true. Like, but basically, they want the power to impose their religious beliefs on other people, even where it's got nothing... Like, I don't think they should be able to do it to teachers generally, because I don't, I don't think that's got anything to do with what they're teaching the children. Like, I don't think... If the, I don't think that they should be able to impose it even on the religious studies. Like, if, if they teach... In fact, I don't think they should be able to... I don't think they should be able to do religious indoctrination in schools. I think they should be religion classes teaching religions, all of them, but I'm not on board with the idea that, that schools should be able to indoctrinate, use the educational time, part of our compulsory education system, to indoctrinate with a, children with a religion that their parents have chosen. Like, I'm not, I'm not convinced that that is fair on the children and that's not taking away their rights. But anyway, separate to that, what the hell difference does it make if the maths teacher is gay or the gardener is gay? What the hell does that have to do with the subject matter that they take and the interaction with the children? Like, it's got nothing to do with it, but they demand the right to be able to do that regardless. Yep. It does not have anything to do with that. And again, this is one reason I don't actually go to church at the moment is uh, the church was so focused on fighting a cultural war where we, you know, anything that uh, is not the the nuclear family with heterosexual parents and a small number of children is, is not ideal. So we will push back against anyone who does not fit that model whether it's uh, because they live in a de facto relationship or because they uh, are homosexual or because they are transgender um i don't even understand the point of pushing back against any of that but the the reason i just didn't go to church anymore and didn't want my kids going to that church anymore was i didn't want them to learn that mindset Hmm. What did they do when there was somebody who, like, they wanted people come to, to come to their church? So what if it was somebody who came to their church who was in a de facto relationship or was gay? And they, like, how did they try and, like, presumably they wanted that person to come and stay. But also, or did they? Or did they really not? Well, the the odd thing is people in a de facto relationship, it seems that that sort of, we, we can look past that, is the general mentality. Um people who are gay that really would depend on the church um but there's plenty of examples of people you know certainly not being welcome to be in any form of leadership position if oh yeah not heterosexual and preferably married um did you see that the another one of the um gay conversion uh people in the u.s came out and was in fact 
gay um, and uh, basically the, I, don't know, I don't like the idea of look these anti-gay people are gay like homophobia do you know who we can blame for it the gays like I have a problem with that yes. but, and but, I don't like the idea of someone being closeted being something that we should be holding against them and, and shaming them for but but in terms of the people who are running these um, things trying to you know pray the gay away like it does feel like it's very much people who are trying very hard to fight something in themselves it's what motivates them to then try and help other people fight this thing within themselves and so now it looks like the american now approach to um, the gay conversion stuff is okay that doesn't work what you what you're now called to do is just be celibate yes and that, that's something my church was really into as well around the marriage equality survey you can be gay thing. you just can't but what would they do to a gay person who was in their community who was gay but celibate like would they be are they allowed to be if they're gay if they're openly gay but not practicing are they allowed to be in a leadership position then I, I hate to even answer that question because the the answer would be um in the minds of i won't speak for every church but most uh the answer would be if they're gay and celibate and and also willing to do know, say that willing to wrong. basically say that i acknowledge i probably shouldn't be gay and that's why i'm celibate that that's okay. They're as long doing, as they self hate enough, yeah. Okay. Well, that, that's the that's the effect, isn't it? Um, because if you believe being gay is wrong, which it's not, just to be clear, um, I don't think there's anyone listening to this who would be confused. I, I just want to make sure people don't think I think that, um, because that's what I was always taught, and I reject it utterly. Um, so if if you think that, then yes, people should be doing everything they can to not be gay. You'd have to not know any gay people to have any sort of sense that, you know, and imagine, that's a rational mindset to have. But imagine portraying it as, a, as the, this is a loving religion, and we want that we want gay people to be denied companionship and um, love and and passion and all the you know, all the aspects that are connected with sexuality as well. Like they just imagine thinking that's a loving. But anyway, it's mad. Um, so anyway, so 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 far, Elon's has been complaining that he has, doesn't get to impose his will on other people, but that's presented as an attack on him. Thirdly, employers cannot act against an employee because they have made what's called a statement of belief. So they've gone out there in their private life or said something and made a statement of belief. Well, the employee can't act against them. You think, well, that protects Israel Folau, surely? Well, looks like it, doesn't it? Looks great. Fourthly. Section 17 of the Tasmanian Anti-Discrimination Act, which is the section, if you remember, that says that you can't do or say anything that might offend somebody. Sorry, it's got nothing to do with offence. It is 100% about causing harm. I, I, I've, have, we, have we ever mentioned, talked about this? But I, fundamentally, I think that, that it's constantly being portrayed as like, lefties are shrinking violence and we were taking you said a mean word and we were taking we're what's it the um snowflakes and it's uh you're, you're oh come on let people just say what they like does it really hurt you if archbishop portius says something horrible about gay people does it really hurt you if israel Folau says something i mean god don't be so offended it doesn't matter it's like yeah but it's got nothing to do with that it's to do with the fact that these people are out there promoting the sort of um attitudes and so forth that cause harm to a marginalized group that is the victim of real harm like these are people who are actively discriminated against there's still real homophobic violence in the in the community um there are still people you know they come out to their parents they become homeless like there are this is a real problem and you are with these words these words are not neutral they cause harm and it's the same thing I, I, the analogy i'd put is like um the test surely the test should be and this why should have none of this is about nobody's talking about like hate speech protections for LGBTI people so they're equivalent to the religious ones like or the racial ones like the idea that um, you know we have hate speech protections for Jewish people because we know what happens when unfettered anti-semitism 
goes off the hook because those words turn into real harm. We've seen it happen last century. Like, it, it's a real thing. And, like, the same shit should happen... The same situation should be the case for LGBTI people. Like, they are also a group that have been the subject of persecution in the past, real persecution, and you shouldn't be able to say stuff about them that you couldn't say about a Jewish person, say, or the Jewish community. But we're not even talking about that. Like, the idea that... These are awful, I think. The idea that, that that should be... It should be left to employers. I don't think it should be left to employers. You, you've done employment law. You don't think that employers should have more power to just sack people for the things that they do and say in private. You don't think... What, what's your... Have you seen the Michaela Bernergy case, the um, public servant who was tweeting things? Oh, um, the lolly guy. Yeah, case, at, at yes. lolly guy. Yeah. So she doesn't have the right to publish stuff, even anonymously, that's critical of the government. Although, of course... Um, yeah, this is on the basis that the public's service is supposed to be neutral, politically neutral. But of course, she was arguing with with her. Um, uh, I think it was her boss, but certainly Sandy Logan, um, who was a public servant. But he was arguing these political things. But he was arguing on the side of the government, even though he was from the public service. So it's fine to be political as long as it's backing up the government. But you can't be critical anyway. But yeah, I mean that's a freedom of speech thing from employees where the employers get to control them. Like, but none of this is about let's protect employees from overbearing employers. Um, and I would say that, like, Israel Flower right now, they're, they're like, oh, he's persecuted. He doesn't have any free speech. Right now, he can say whatever he bloody likes. He's, not, he's really been sacked. He can say whatever he likes right now. And there's no... He can do as much harm as he likes to the LGBTI community right now, and there's no pushback because we don't have any hate speech laws that actually protect LGBTI people. Yeah, of course, we. I think anyone would say that leaving it up to hoping Rugby Australia does the right thing is, yeah. is an insane system. <laughs> so, um, why on earth do you think it should be up to the employers? Yeah, we, we need actual decent laws and you know, having Martin Ellis and co trying to drag us in the opposite direction is not good. No. Um, so he, he, not so far, he's, he's, this is all the, these sound like good things. And they're certainly intended to be from his point of view. They're intended to be, but then because we're not a total theocracy, there's a, there are some limits. And he's like, how very dare you. You promised us new powers. And so Archbishop Julian Porteous and others have been caught by this. So Julian Porteous put out a pastoral letter on the church's beliefs about marriage. It's a very gentle sort of a thing. But someone said, hey, guess what? I'm offended. Took him to the Anti-Discrimination Commission. This sort of thing has been going on down there a lot. Well, this act actually specifically names that section. And it says, do you know what? A statement of belief cannot be in contravention of that section. So you think, wow, it looks like it protects Julian Porteous. It looks like it protects others like Campbell Markham who have been caught by that. Looks good. Uh, of course, the Portuguese case, when he put out the thing, basically demonising LGBTI people and saying that they're not yeah, worthy of marriage. It, it wasn't gentle. No. Um, <laughs> like, he presents it like, pastoral. That's just peaceful. And Anyway, um, and, and what happened to Portius? Yeah, there was a complaint made, and then it was withdrawn. Like, she, it didn't even... There was no consequence to him whatsoever. Like, oh, I was... I, I was challenged on my beliefs. Like... What was Martin in the in the park saying? Talking about how you know Christians being willing to lay down their life for their friend. Portis was mildly inconvenienced, and we need to have the entire law of the country changed so that it never happens again. I said that you can't be discriminated against on the basis of religion in a whole range of areas. But there's a question: What's actually protected? So if I or another person of faith was to apply for a job or was to apply for accommodation or was to be accredited by a law society or some other body that gives accreditations, uh, what is the thing that, is, that they cannot discriminate against me on the basis of? And the Act actually puts it this way. It says lawful religious activity. Now, there's two issues with this. One is with lawful. It's a bit technical. I don't want to get into it. 
The thing that I'm concerned about is one not many people have actually mentioned, and it is that phrase, religious activity. Now you think about it. What do we want protection from? We actually want protection for engaging in activities that are consistent with our religion, not activities that are intrinsically religious. You think of a court answering that question. Is an Instagram post a religious activity? Oh, it's, a, it's a social activity, it's a public activity. It's a, you know, how many categories can you think of? But is it intrinsically religious? I think it's very much open to a court to say, no, it's not, because courts already have distinguished, as we shall see, between religious and commercial activities, for example, as if your faith stops as soon as you open the cash register. Well, this is a very narrow protection. I can see that it would protect, you know, going to church, it would protect singing praises to God in church, praying, things that are intrinsically, inherently, by their very core nature, religious. But what about those things that we do in public life that are consistent with our religious faith? Are they religious activities? The way court precedents have been going, maybe not. So actually, at the very core of the act, the thing which is defined as the religion that's protected, religious activity, well, I'm not sure that that's enough. All right, so we'll make this the last the last point on this because uh, my daughter is, uh, is now insisting on a book. So there'll be some slight daughter in the background noises. But um, yeah, so that really bells the cat, doesn't it? Like fundamentally, this is, He's like, yeah, it protects us from our religious stuff, but not. But what about the religious stuff where we project outwards and, and try and bully other people? Will that be protected? Maybe. Maybe we'll get the right, but maybe not. What if we don't get the right to bully other people? I mean, do we really have freedom then? Yeah, it's kind of a fair summary, isn't it? And that, again, that's the problem. Uh, if you think your job is to fight a culture war and the legislation's getting in the way, you change the legislation because you're now doing God's work. Um, or if it yeah. doesn't protect you from any consequence, like and that's what he wants. He wants to be able to do whatever he likes without any pushback. Yes, well, pushback's a bad thing because you know that gets in the way. And if you're doing God's work, then there there shouldn't be any uh, in His mind. Now that's never the way the world's worked, and it's never going to be the way the world works. But you know they're going to keep trying, and um, I would really rather they spent their time on almost anything else. <laughs> now there is a bit later on, um, which I'm not going to play now because. Um, as, as we can hear, it is no longer podcasting time. Um, but there is a bit later on where he's like, well, you know, we're unhappy and the, the LGBTI community are unhappy. So doesn't that mean that, you know, the balance, the government's got the balance right because it's, you know, both sides are unhappy? You know, doesn't that mean that's a good compromise? No, because um, our objection is on the basis that you're further actually seeking the ability to control us. Your objection is on the basis that you don't get to control the rest of us enough. I don't, I don't, that's not a balance. That's just like you've made a giant ambit claim and you're like, well, the balance, I guess, is somewhere between our giant ambit claim and the defensive position of the, of the other side. Yep. Anyway, that's our friend Martin Nillis. All right, so I think we've, we've hit our limit of being able to deal with uh, Martin's nonsense. But, you know, useful to hear how, how they're pitching it. And given that they have the governments here, it's a bit scary to think that they might actually get to tighten the noose even tighter. Yes, or... What worries me mostly is that people I know in the, the transgender community and elsewhere are just feeling a level of fear that seems to be new uh, with this sort of creeping theocracy and mm. uh, people are getting hurt and, you know, I, I simply hate to see this and uh, we'll just have to keep pushing back against these people for as long as it takes. We saw even even the Prime Minister, so Scummy the other way, because that um, proper bastard Chris Ullman went and took a photograph of a, of a toilet in the 
um, Prime Minister's department. Yes. That basically had a supportive sign for people of gender diverse. Yes, said use whichever bathroom <coughs> you feel fits your identity. And so Scummo's immediately like, nah, I'll be taking that down. Yep. Uh, we don't, we're not supportive of those trans people at all. So, like, I wouldn't be... Um, of course you'd be concerned. Like, literally the Prime Minister is saying that being supportive of using a bathroom is a problem for him. Like, he doesn't even... Has anybody asked, does he accept that trans people are real? Like, they are genuinely... That being trans is not a... Is, means that you are, a trans woman is a woman. That they're actually... Like, I don't think he... If you asked him point blank, I don't think he would... I think he would duck and weave. I don't think he would accept that, that a trans woman is a woman. He would argue it. Like no, he, he would feel it would alienate his his base to to acknowledge that. I think he genuinely is, doesn't believe it. It's completely he, bananas. But there we are. No, I think he fundamentally doesn't believe that a trans woman is a woman. I think he. I think. And I, I, yeah, that's probably true too. And if you have people up there in, in with that level of power who have those attitudes, it's bloody terrifying. All I can suggest that we do is that because the trans community is comparatively small, and yes, it's the rest of us, we really do have a duty to be pushing back against this. I think they have moved. There was going to be a big rally pushing back against the bill on Saturday this week, but there is a climate change rally also on Saturday this week. So they have moved that um, the pushback against the religious one to October. So I'll uh, look up when that actual what the actual date is, but we're not quite in October yet. But when that comes, I think we all need to be there because it really is like. <laughs> If you're from one of those vulnerable communities, it must be incredibly terrifying to hear that, that, that the um, contempt for your existence extends so high and you really need to know that there's a vast mass of the rest of us who are pushing back and who support you and, and, and will be pushing back against attempts to make you the nation's punching bag for another, you know, another round. Yeah, absolutely. But it is good, it, it is good that there are um, people from the Christian community who are Standing up and saying these assholes don't speak for me, so it's valuable having people like you who do that. I don't don't know how you guys, you know, usurp the the people who call themselves the Australian Christian Lobby who are purporting to speak on your behalf. Infuriating me, I would imagine. Yes, it it is completely infuriating, and it has been infuriating for a very long time. And the more infuriating thing is the reason these people have money is that there are Christians in churches who are giving them that money to to do these terrible things. So uh, for a while, my plan was to try and push back from within the church community and to work with trying to educate the next generation to have a, a much more um, sane and compassionate and loving approach to life. Um, that didn't really work, got to be honest, because I'm not in the church community anymore um, for many reasons, but mostly because... I got to the point where I found their their views incompatible with my own and couldn't be part of it anymore. So they're they equivalent. Like, you know how with the um, hideous union that was supposed to represent um, shop workers and so forth, um, the SGA who basically advocated it, it was basically the employer's lobby against their employees rather than the other way around. And how there's a com- and then now there's a competing union that's coming up to actually represent workers and actually fight against those sorts of things. But there, so there were two, um, both purporting to represent workers, but only one that actually did. Um, so in the same way, you've got the ACL saying saying it speaks for Christians, but it's not like Christians voted for the ACL and like nominated them. Like, is there? Are you aware of, or do you know of people who would be willing to start or participate in? It? Like, is is there, a, you know, equivalent? Um, 
Christian lobby that is coming up to be like, yeah, no, actually, we're just as much Christians. Well, we would say better Christians, but we are certainly representative of, of the nation's Christians, um, at least as much as those other um, vicious bastards who call themselves the ACL. Like, uh, you know, people who who are listening to this who are, I don't know how much of our audience is in fact religious, but um, I, I imagine that they're largely progressive. So for religious progressive people, like, is there, are there any bodies you want to sort of point them towards that you're aware of that are sort of trying to you know, actually push back in that in that sense. Yes, there are. They're not, sadly, nearly as prominent or as loud. Um, Which means that so, they're kind of like a bit fringe. The people in them are also a bit fringe and it takes a bit of like this exit. Yes. You need to have this influx of uh, more main, of mainstream people from that community to make them credible yes. again. I feel like it probably takes a lot more of us quitting our churches and putting our time into other things that will hopefully... You know, get us to a tipping point at some stage. But certainly Australian Christians for marriage equality were very vocal during the postal survey uh, and that entire appalling process. Uh, but you didn't see it unless you were following them on Facebook um, ah. because the media uh, was not reporting it. Um, for all that I disagree with everything they stand for, for some reason the Australian Christian lobby has got quite good at getting printed in the papers possibly because of the ideological bent of the, the papers that print their stuff. Yeah. Who yeah, can it's, say? But it's, they're, it's, they're, easy, it's easy to... Well, it's, that's, they're that, very quotable. Isn't that a fundamental problem for the left? Like, we don't own... We don't, we don't, rich media proprietors don't tend to be lefties because... So we don't... Like, we're already pushing uphill because we're not advocating for the interests of the people who own the, the, those, the commercial media. Yeah, it doesn't help. Um, and also, I think there's a thing where, you know, pe- people who are on the right just have this charmingly simple worldview that is utterly black and white and they are zealots and they're utterly convinced that they're right. Uh, people like me who are trying to balance you know, Christianity with our progressive views um, tend to think a lot more about things and you know, there's just nothing more dangerous than a, a very, very certain zealot who um, doesn't have any doubt or zealots to weigh them back. <laughs> like, can't we have some lefty zealots who are like, hey, you know what? Jesus was a bit of a bit of a you know communist rabble rouser. He was out there pushing for the poor, pushing for the marginalised. You know what? I I don't have to be a nuanced um, looking at things backwards and forth and, and and never be able to progress anywhere type lefty. I can just be a full on revolutionary lefty lefty um, Christian person and be like, you know what? I'm doing Jesus. Like it feels like the actual Jesus of the Bible matches their worldview rather than. Have you seen the videos of like Republican Jesus or it's like? But yeah. yeah so if you're looking for that person, you, you probably need to track down Jared McKenna and get him on here, because um, that that guy is a, a Christian who is uh, you know, an incredibly enthusiastic refugee advocate, utterly you know founds ministries where he takes refugees into his own home and, and does it for decades. Um, you got your Rod but, Bowers out there who are fine, and you, you've got your Rod Bowers who who is fantastic uh, and unfortunately not elected to Parliament. Hmm. Anytime recently, but you know, you, if you ask me to name the third one who's prominent, I'm I'm going to struggle. So yeah, that that's the sort of stuff we need to be getting behind. You know, the, the work Jared's doing is fantastic, but uh, there's one of him. Um, Maybe it's we also need, we need more of that. Given that the the strength that the religious community has over the rest of us is that you're very organised and you do something every Sunday morning. Like you get out there, you're all in a place, you you bond together. You, you, 
we don't do that shit. <laughs> We're not that organized. Like, it seems to me like the, the, the progressive churches themselves are a good, uh, should be, like, there are progressive churches that are genuinely progressive, aren't there? There are. Um, again, a bit hard to find and um, not, not nearly as prominent. Um, again, when I, I tweeted about leaving church, uh, a lot of people jumped on to say, well, you're just obviously in the wrong one. Try this particular progressive church. Um, many of them in Brisbane for some reason. Um, like it's just a, it's a little bit of a, I mean, it's something when you can fly, I think. Yeah, few, few of them a little closer to home, um, often in the inner, inner suburbs, not uh, out in the... You're in the Bible Belt, aren't you? You're like sort of on the eastern side where it's the, the, the oh, Catch the I'm, Fire um, I'm a little town. further out than the Bible like, Belt um, and a little further in than Catch the Fire there in Nong. But yeah, uh, it's that, a, that kind field, of I think. swath of Melbourne. That's yes. the, uh, yeah, we're, we're in a bit of a, a dead spot for, for religious activity out, out my way. But Well, you can um, move, move to um, Kevin Andrews' lecture. I'm sure there's, there's plenty around where he, he based himself. Yes, again, not quite the churches I'm looking for. Uh, so, so my own project at the moment, uh, which is is just starting up, is um, uh, I now have a blog dedicated exactly to this, which is talking about um, what's gone wrong in the church, how we got this far off track, um, hopefully moving on at some point past just complaining towards you know trying to get together a, a community of online people who want to say yes, we'd all like to do something about it. Uh, so, if you want to re- read any of the three posts currently up um you can uh it's at church491.blogspot.com why 491 um long story but i like absurd titles uh the actual name of the blog is the church of the 491st chance because i thought it wasn't very christian to call it the church of the second chance because we we all make mistakes more than once Fair um, enough. i'm just wary about where well, there's a number why, why but... 491 uh because there's a, a bit in the bible where uh, Peter comes to Jesus and very generously says, how often should I forgive people? Uh, should it be as high as seven? Which he, he thought was very generous uh, <laughs> because the, the, the norm was about three, I think. Uh, and Jesus said, no, no, not seven, but rather it's translated either as 77 or 70 times seven. And 70 times seven would be 490. But I'm not a literalist, so I thought we should just okay. go, go one further. I'm glad. So, I, I'm instinctively there, wary. There's your 491. I'm essentially wary of numbers because, like, they can they can be not that I'd expect this from from your, you to there for there to be a sinister number, but like I know that Q and A on Monday um, put out a tweet the, the fourteen the, words, the fourteen yes. words, yeah. So like, no, it's it's not a Nazi code word. I it's, just, you would be, but you can't. It, you know. it's, it's a bad extensive forgiveness, not I, uh, not I, Nazis. I just think that people generally, when you see a number and you're like, well, why is it that number? Worth checking. Oh, bloody hell. We got to the end of it. It's too late now. I can't. I, I think I talked about it on a previous episode. I didn't get to Martin's lie in his video about babies being left on tables, which is 100%. They, they take the number of, so from the Victorian stats, they take the number of um, uh, where there's a termination at the end and the child, uh, well, it's not a child. Well, I suppose it's a child. Like it's where the fetus is born technically still alive. And, and they're like, look, they're alive and left to die. That's not, that's not what that number means. It means that the like that that includes a child born and then dies, like not an abortion, just dies. You know, like children. Yes, like, infant uh, mortality is a it, thing that happens. Yeah, despite and like, doctors' best efforts to save them, they're not always successful, and it's tragic. They're like, no, no, doctors are just leaving them there to die horribly. No, that's not a thing that ha- that would be murder. Yes, a hum- once they're born, like we all agree, we don't agree that they're a human being when they're 
in, uh, when they're not born. But we all agree that once they're born, they're a human being. The law is very clear that somebody who's been born is a human being. You can't just leave them to die. They, they, you can't just go, oh, we don't care. They say, well, we can't bother to die. You've got to, yeah, no, medical care is a thing that happens. Anyway, so again, I, I, I didn't get to his lie. No, no dodgy statistics on the blog, just, yeah. Yeah, no, no I didn't. I didn't think they would. Be. I just think that people need to be instinctively wary when they hear a number. Yep. They're like, "What's the reason for that?" So the ABC needs to be very conscious when they ever see the numbers fourteen and eight and and fourteen eight eight and those sorts of numbers yep. because fourteen is Hitler's like words about the um, and yes <laughs> Q and A put the the a yep. slightly paraphrase so it may have been a joke because it was like um, to secure the future of the planet for people rather than being the execution of the nation for white people like the the fourteen they, it was yep. different so whether it was somebody trying to make a joke of it. Who knows? But anyway, you want to be wary about yeah. those 14 words. So, so the number 14... Generally, not funny. Yeah, no. The 14 words... If you see 14 words, it's a reference to the Nazis. If you see 8-8, eight, eight, it's a reference to... To Heil Hitler. Uh, yeah. Um, and if you see 1-8, uh, it's also a reference to Adolf Hitler, because A being 1 no, and H no, no, being 8. No, no. Yes. Yeah, so just... <laughs> public service announcement if you just be wary of those things particularly if you work for the abc and you're deciding which tweets to put up on screen yes good, good thing to be aware of unless anyway. they're my tweets in which case put them on screen yes. I, I need the traffic at seriously tim on twitter yes uh and it was church491.blogspot.com cool all right thank you for uh being on the podcast again thank you to everybody for coming back and listening uh if you would like to engage in discussion about any of the things we've been talking about uh at well may we say on twitter is the best way to have a back and forth and have a conversation about these things otherwise thank you to our patreon subscribers for keeping the podcast going thank you to everybody who's left a positive review on the tune, uh, tunes of i which i don't think called that anymore well i would never call that i'm being stupid but um i think they call it like apple podcast anyway whatever they are, you know you know the place where you leave reviews for the podcasts that thing yes there, positive please, reviews are good please leave a good review of this one yeah otherwise uh thank you for coming back thank you alex Lum for the artwork thank you robin gray for the music and we'll see you all next week Thanks for having me, and thanks everyone for listening. Bye.